Hi, my name is Tarek Dahir. I'm an actuarial senior associate and also a member of the Net Zero team. My name is Paul Jones. I'm a partner at PwC here in the Isle of Man, mainly on the audit and insurance and also our Net Zero lead. Let's start our first chaps in any case with, um, yeah, obviously both working for PwC. So give us a little bit about your background then. Uh, it doesn't matter who stumbled. We'll start with you, you Paul. How did you, uh, what's your journey with PwC? How did you get into the company? How did you get to the Isle of Man? Yeah, so I'm from the Isle of Man originally. Um, I joined PwC in 1996 um, on the audit and assurance side. Um, I was just talking to Tarek as we were preparing for this mm. and uh, realised that Tarek was born... One month before I started work, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that made me to feel, make feel really <laughs> old. <laughs> so yeah, so I've been with the firm for 26 years and uh, part of my life, really. <laughs> and part of your life as well, then, Terry. Uh, well, I moved here four years ago mm-hmm. from London um, on a bit of a whim, actually. I came in for what was. I thought it was going to be an internship, and I'm still here four years later. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I do love what I do every day, so that's what's kept me here the whole time. As long as it's a paid internship. Yeah, I mean, this was it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> we are on net zero, then. This is something, again, a word, or buzzword, buzz phrase, call it what you will, something that you hear bandied around an awful lot these days, particularly we just had COP27 taking place, of course. What is net zero? What are we talking about when we say net zero, and why should anyone be concerned about it? This is all about climate change, uh, for the avoidance of doubt. Net zero itself refers to the goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions or carbon emissions as much as possible and then offsetting what's left by removing an equivalent amount from the atmosphere as part of an offsetting scheme. So hopefully everyone um, appreciates the the importance of climate change and and the impact it's having on weather patterns. Uh, We've seen the floods in Pakistan, uh, food production, you know, so clearly like the number one issue, I guess, of our generation. We had the 2015 Paris Agreement, I think it was, where basically they sort of set out some of the the key sort of global targets whereby I think everyone established that emissions needed to be cut by roughly 50% by 2030 and to reach net zero by 2050. And this is about limiting temperatures to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. That's the, the magic number, really. Uh, that's what climate scientists say is the most that can be allowed to avoid the most dangerous impacts of climate change. And I think from what I was reading, we're already at 1.1 or 1.2% yep. above that level. And I think if, if nothing changes, it, it's I mean, it's obviously still increasing mm-hmm. and it could easily go, I think about 2.4 was one of the numbers I saw. So, you know, there is radical transformation required. Um, you mentioned COP27. I was, I was sort of reading that over the weekend, thinking I'd better read up on this before before we record today. Um, so this is the Global Climate Change Conference. Governments are there. Businesses are there. There was about 36,000 attendees. I hadn't realised how big it yeah, was, actually. Massive, yeah. uh, PwC was there. Um, and they're, they're trying to basically just set out how the, 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 the implementation path is for, for net zero. I don't think there's any doubt that net zero is kind of agreed as, as needed. Uh, but it's how you get there. And, and they made some progress. I think they sort of established a fund that will set up for um, basically compensating countries that are sort of suffering the worst impacts of, of some of the climate change, like the flooding, etc. But on the other hand, I don't, I don't think they made as much progress as they wanted to. Things like um, the actual reduction in fossil fuels, the things that are causing the temperature rises, they didn't, they didn't get as far as they wanted to on that. So a, a bit of a mixed reaction, I think, from, from what we've seen. But there is at least recognition there that 
that this matters and, and they need to keep keep working on it. And I suppose that's the difficulty, as you say, that it's it's such a massive issue when you have so many people and so many delegates yeah. and it only goes forward if they get, as I understand it, unanimous agreement on things and they, they certainly yeah. went up to the wire and beyond before well, they... Well, they, they went yeah, long, yeah. yeah, they went a few days over, I think. Yeah. I think. I think they were packing up the centre, they were still negotiating and, you know, like all these things, a lot of it comes down to money, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it's always the, the stumbling block, so in, interesting to see, but they're not there yet. So we're talking about, we just had COP27, Tarek, who's actually made or who's on board with this idea of making the commitment to net zero? So you've got about 140 countries that have uh, announced or like are agreeing to net zero targets, and this covers about 90% of the total global emissions. You've got you know, your big players, the US, the UK, uh, Russia are involved. You also have um, India. And I know they all have different timelines of when they want to reach net zero, but they are still all involved. Um, you've got about 4,000 businesses, uh, including PwC, actually. And uh, we're working with science-based targets uh, and science-based targets initiatives to reduce uh, our emissions. And so science-based targets or SBTs, SBTIs, you might hear about it a bit if you read anything to do with climate change. Uh, and it was launched in October 2021, and uh, they had this corporate net zero standard framework and it just helps with the guidance criteria and recommendations that companies need to set the science-based targets in line with net zero to kind of reduce the emissions that companies are making to be in line with the Paris Agreement's 1.5 you know the magic number of 1.5 degrees but yeah companies can validate and develop their targets against these criteria and uh, it can ensure that your claims are credible. It reduces the greenwashing, which is an- another buzzword that you're going to see mm. a lot and read a lot in the news. But yeah, there's a lot of greenwashing nowadays. So you have to be really careful. So I think following something like science-based targets is something that really bolsters your um, like company's credibility in the net zero space. And how difficult is it for companies to actually judge themselves against these criteria to actually sort of see how much progress they're making? I mean, overall, I don't think it's too difficult. It's quite easy to sign up to these targets. Uh, if you go on to like the science-based targets website, you can see the uh, entry requirements to be like allowed into being a partner. I think, or mm-hmm. I don't know what the exact word is of being a member or a partner of the science-based mm-hmm. target committee, uh, initiative committee. But yeah, it's definitely something that people should consider doing. So is the Isle of Man on board with this then? Because, again, working here myself, you often hear it comes up on things like the Man and Line, the climate change, net zero commitment. It seems to me there are those who are very much on board and others who just say, what's the point of the Isle of Man doing anything? We're so small, it's not going to make any odds. <laughs> uh, no, so happily, the Isle of Man are actually signed up to um, have a net zero target. So I think 21st of October, they had the climate change bill that was passed. And, um, you know, the plan is to achieve net zero by 2050, uh, and you've got interim steps. You've got 35% absolute reduction in emissions by um, 2030 and then 45% reduction by 2035. So there is a little pathway there. And I know what you mean about saying, you know, the Isle of Man is quite small, but if everyone says this, then no one, no one does anything and nothing happens, right? We get nowhere. But 1% of change is still change. It's still in the right direction. There's nothing wrong with getting, um, you know, like replacing what we have already. We have the Pulrose power plant. We have diesel stations in Peel and... There is one in Ramsey, but I'm not sure if it's decommissioned. So depending on when you listen to this, it's either in decommission or being decommissioned or has been decommissioned for ages. And um, But uh, yeah, and there's also a hydro plant up in Solby. So these are our energy sources really on the Isle of Man. And I think it's quite difficult when you look at it and you're trying to say, how do we then power the island? Do we put wind turbines in the sea? Then we're an island, so we need shipping routes. You know, the boat can't just have to dodge all these little turbines that are sat in the sea. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of challenges that the island faces, but it looks like it's being taken seriously. And, you know, we are a biosphere as an island, mm. so it's something that we should really consider. 
and the government are pushing forward with it. So it's yeah. got to be something really which government and the business community working together on this one. It's not just something that can be left to government to say, this is what you're doing. It's got to be something in partnership. Yeah, so like the island is a place for responsible business and uh, you know it will be increasingly under threat if the government and businesses don't do it together to try and um, push forward in order to kind of achieve this goal. Because it's not a one person, no one person is going to solve this. No one solution is going to solve this, but it takes thousands of people, let's say 85,000 people coming together (laughs) to uh, be able to kind of resolve this or help a little bit. And I suppose the other thing to to note on this in many ways, even for the critics perhaps, is to say, well, look, people are going that. The big multinationals, firms like PwC and dozens, hundreds more like them, are actually embracing this and going that way. And I I suppose if the Isle of Man's not ticking these boxes, we'd get Mm -hmm. to the stage where businesses are going to say, well, we're not interested in trading with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is why um, we we at PwC have made like a global commitment because we do want to be a leader on this. We want to use our community of solvers in order to kind of tackle this big issue that, well, the biggest issue, I would say, of, of our generation right now. Um, yeah. So when it comes to PwC then, Paul, what, what commitment is, is the company actually making to this net zero? Yeah. So September 2020, PwC globally made its science-based commitment to achieve net zero by 2030. So just as Tarek was saying, the business community has a key role uh, to play in making this happen. Governments can set policy, but it needs people and businesses to make change happen. PwC's purpose is, is to build trust in society and solve important problems to be part of how we go about life. Um, so, you know, this is the number one issue. So we want to be part of solving that. We had already sort of done quite a lot in this area, I think, you know, pre pre this sort of announcement. We already had our own corporate responsibility team, which I, I was leading before, which is how I ended up with the Net Zero title yeah. as well. We'd signed up as a Biosphere partner, I think it was 2019, yeah. actually. We'd also done things to the office. We'd installed air source heat pumps. Uh, we'd brought in LED lighting, which is more efficient. Plastic cups went away a long time ago now. Um, you know, we prioritise recycling and then just things like video conferencing, you know, less travel through through using technology as well. So we're doing quite a lot in this area. But I guess this commitment really just formalised what we were going to do in terms of meeting net zero. And like Tarek says, you know, it gives it a, a proper sort of measurable target then, something that you can actually sign up to and, and sort of quote to people rather than just things that are nice to have but really can't be measured. The commitment set out four milestones to help us achieve net zero. First one was to uh, achieve a minimum 50% reduction in our absolute carbon emissions by 2030. And that's compared to our 2019 baseline. We will offset our remaining emissions by or from 2023, move to 100% renewable electricity by 2025, And then we're also going to engage with our suppliers to ensure that by 2025, 50% of our supply chain have also set science-based targets to reduce their own emissions. So four four areas that we're going to work on. Just one point on those emissions. I said we were going to baseline 2019, and that's what we're going to reduce from. And the reason for that was that with COVID, 2020 to 21 were... uh, kind of anomalies I guess in terms of years you know the office was closed for certain amounts of time you know travel was kind of restricted so you know we kind of went back to I guess what you'd call the last normal year so 2019 was our baseline that we set Um, a little bit annoying in a way that we did a lot of those other carbon reductions you know as I was saying changes to the office uh, before that 
which means our, our baseline was actually quite low, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, taking another 50% off that is a bit more challenging, but, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? It's uh, That's what we're committed to. So how did you actually get people to buy into it then? Because it is a massive topic, as you say. It's very complex also either within a company or when you then look at companies dealing with other companies and then how they deal with the outside world as well. You break this down into various sections? Yeah, so I guess we got the four goals, haven't we? And it sort of gives you a bit of a framework. So we started looking at this 18 months ago and uh, we weren't experts. I mean, I wouldn't say we're experts now. You know? <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm an accountant, Tarek's an actuary, you know, but we, we kind of upskilling a lot here, aren't we? We had the, the, the PwC network and, and obviously they've got lots of specialists and, and experts that we can call on. They shared all sorts of guidance. Uh, so we went through all of that. Uh, I guess one of the key things we did quite early on was sort of get the partner group on board with this because you do need their buy-in. It's going to it's going to affect decisions that you make a, as a firm, so you need them kind of bought in up front. And you know, at some point, someone's going to have to write a check. Not that we really write checks anymore, but <laughs> you know, someone's going to have to pay for something. So so you kind of need them on side. So that was the start, and then we sent out um, an email to all the staff in the office to say who wants to join our our new net zero team, didn't we? We, we didn't really know you know who was interested in this really and, and how many people might want to sign up and uh, we're kind of overwhelmed with the responses we had um, I think it was over 20 people who came back and and there's about 115 of us so this was a significant proportion who were you know wanting to get involved in in the group and uh, it showed how much people cared about it really and Tarek was was one of them pleased yep. to say mm-hmm. um, it's been a big uh, factor and getting us to where we are now. And that does seem noticeable, I must admit, when we've been talking of late in some of these podcasts, that people do seem to be buying more and more into this now. I think the, sort yeah. of the deniers and those who are sort of turning their back on it are in a, in a shrinking minority. I I'm think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think mean, so. If, you, if you just look the other, the other week, it was 20 degrees in November in the UK. I mean, it's, it's pretty undeniable now. The science is there. You have ev- Everyone wants to get involved and everyone sees it as a real issue. So like, as soon as we let, open this up to the office, we had a lot of people getting involved from different levels like everyone we have partners directors managers senior managers associates we even have summer interns coming in now and um if they join our team i'll ask them to help me out a little bit if I, we need a bit of a hand so it's something that all generations are seeing and well especially in our firm everyone is seeing and trying to get involved in and then i guess what we had to do then is try to find a role for everyone you know who <laughs> yeah. didn't expect to have 20 people to find roles for yeah, but yeah. Um, we, we broke it down into four sub teams so we had measure and disclose so essentially you know, what are our emissions now? How are we going to measure them? And uh, the disclosed side was essentially we have to report up to, to our network as to, to how we're doing in order for the for the network as a whole to meet their, their global targets. We had uh, another team looking at the emissions reduction. So having established what our emissions are, how do we go about reducing it? Renewables and offsetting was another one. Um, so I mentioned, you know, moving to renewable power and offsetting, as I say, you know, how to offset the, the remaining emissions, and then supply chain, which uh, which is a complicated thing in itself. And again, we'll talk a bit more about that one. So we divided everyone up, gave them the materials, kind of set the scene for them, and then said, right, do, do a bit of research, do a bit of thinking, and come back and tell us what you think we should do. And that was it, really. And, you know, I think it's gone really well. I think, like you said, everyone was really bought in. They did all the, the research and, yeah, came up with some really good suggestions. 
Obviously, if you're talking about net carbon, we're thinking about emissions that uh, companies or individuals or corporations are responsible for. It, now, this sort of breaks down into, into three scopes looking at this, Tarek. So you've got sort of direct, indirect, and then looking again, as Paul was just mentioning it there, at, at supply chain as well. So your direct emissions are like direct from your owned or controlled operations. So we've got things like a gas boiler. And one of the other criteria that PwC gave us was if you have a fleet of cars. Now, I've not seen a fleet of um, PwC Rose vehicles <laughs> driving around the island, but if you have, please let you me know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so for us, it's literally um, scope one our, was just our gas bill that we get from uh, Manx Gas. And then scope two is indirect emissions. So purchased uh, electricity, or if you get something from steam power or something different like this. But again, for us, this is just the bill that we get from uh, Manx Utilities. And uh, the electricity actually was quite surprising one because when we looked into it, we realised it actually became 40% of our total emissions. And, you know, it's that that's quite a significant amount. And if we're trying to reduce our emissions by 50% by 2025, we thought, right, we need to really crack, crack down on this problem. We need to get rid of this um, or we need to at least reduce our emissions here. So like Paul said, we already had the small wins. We had the LED lighting and we had the air source heat pumps put in. So it's like, okay, we need to think about renewable electricity in line with the goal of uh, renewable electricity by 2025 as well. So it kind of all came together perfectly for this one. And we had uh, everyone in the office kind of come together and give their own ideas about what we could do. So you have, well, let's put wind turbines on the roof. Well, that's a problem. We don't own the building. We're only renting. Let's put solar panels in on the Alaman. Not sure about the solar panels, but it's a, it's a lovely idea. Um, even solar panels in the window, something like this. But then Ultimately, we ended up uh, having a discussion with managed utilities and being able to kind of get in contract, contact with the uh, hydro plant up in Solby. And one thing that we had to deal with there is, as I said, like we don't uh, own the building, we rent it. So we had to convince the other uh, tenant in the building and our landlord that it was a good idea to switch onto this contract, which yeah. in itself was quite tricky. And we had to do a lot of research and a lot of explanation of like how many trees you're saving by switching to this. And like if you went and tried to do net zero, you're already halfway there because you've got the renewable electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a great. It was. It took a while, but we got there in the end, yeah. and now we are on a completely renewable electric contract. Yeah, because there's a cost to it, isn't it? Yeah, I and mean, that's the point. You know, it's not just switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there is there is a, a premium to pay for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like it did. It did cost a bit more money. So it's trying to convince everyone of the you know the cost versus price, yeah. ben- the benefits essentially mm-hmm. that you're going to get from it. And in the long term, yeah. it you know it massively outweighs paying yeah. for. But they were very good about it. Oh, yeah, they're they very supportive, and and we did switch to. The renewable tariff. I think we? it was in May this year, May twenty two. We switched. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like that, yeah. Wasn't it? So it was pretty speedy. From like February, realizing, oh, hang on, we can actually do this to getting the the tariff by May it was pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, then there's there's also scope three, which is um, business travel and supply chain. So business travel, you know, you've got your flights, your accommodation, um, you've got your taxis and your trains, and uh, we even had to ask. We had a call with Global actually about. What about people who commute here on the boat? Because we have to, or not commute, but like move here on the boat. Um, and they d- they were a bit confused because they don't have the conversion factors for the uh, Alaman steam packet company, which made me a bit sad. But in the end, they just, we, we went with, makes it as a proxy to the, like a plane or something. It was quite difficult and took a lot, long time to get these figures. So the flights, flight data is pretty hard to get when uh, people are booking in their calendars and they're not putting it on the main system and people are paying for it themselves and not telling us but technically it's a business expense and Mm -hmm. technically it's coming back out Um, so it was pretty difficult and again it took us ages there was a lot of people involved in getting to the bottom of it all 
we'd never recorded it in this way, had we? It no. never like no one envisaged at the time that one day we might need all this information oh, no, for Net Zero. It was scrambling around, wasn't it? Yeah, and me yeah. telling off partners for booking things in their calendars and not doing it correctly through the correct channels. Uh, we had, so, yeah, we had <laughs> not me, surely. No, not you, Paul. You're okay. <laughs> I could see it in your calendar. No, but um, there were a few other, you know, some. Some bad people. That's what I'll say. Ooh. Doing things making making me have a hard they will time. Hear this, it. By the way, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you you mentioned there this the indirect and uh, working with suppliers and and in the supply chain. This opens up another whole Pandora's box, realistically, yeah. because it's not just yourselves. It's a case of okay, but we're doing this. If all the companies we're working with, our suppliers, etc., aren't doing this, then we're sort of wasting our time. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Supply chain is um, something that we're still working on right now. So what I would want to say is like our net zero isn't complete. It's a journey. And um, the supply chain is the next part of our journey that we're really trying to deal with because, as Paul mentioned, one of our goals is to have 50% of our suppliers signed up to science-based targets by 2025. Or just uh, some of them are already signed up to it, but we want to engage more with the local Alaman firms to get them signed up to these targets. Um, and so you can't just pass the problem on to other businesses who are buying in. And um, we realized when we quantified our emissions from our supply chain, we only had actually 1% of our total emissions came from suppliers. So then we have to reduce that by half. So you've got half a percent of our total emissions, essentially. It looks tiny when you think about it, but half half percent of our total emissions come from our suppliers. And if you think about, say, a manufacturing company, that's quite difficult for them if they were trying to do an equivalent analysis of their net zero baseline position um, because they'd have loads of different suppliers that they'd have to deal with. But yeah, so for us, it was just identify all our suppliers so I would go to the our lovely finance team and ask them questions every week and put my head around the corner and they were really happy to see me um, and ask them for <laughs> expense ledgers every week um, I'm sure they they don't fear me when I put my head around the corner anymore um, but yeah we had to categorize them and estimate emissions uh, and emission ratings based on like conversion sent by our network uh, and then we were able to focus on the biggest uh, emitters so we can kind of split it down our supply chain if you think about it for us it's the professional services it's um like pension schemes it's even and then it breaks down in small things going to the creamery and getting your milk from mm-hmm. Manx Creamery you know you have to engage with all of these suppliers to try and see if they are willing to sign up to science-based targets and um yeah it, it took a lot of time to to get the figures there but um it's also something like we we know how important it is to engage with the Manx businesses and we like to support the Manx businesses first. So as our choices of suppliers are limited, it's really about trying to engage with them and make sure that they are on board with this whole science-based targets and this net zero, the dream, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and this has come up before, I think, you know, you've got, when it comes to any of these matters, climate change, net zero, you've got the big multinationals and then you're working particularly on the Isle of Man, which is a pretty small mm. close-knit community like you say you've got lots of local small or small to medium-sized businesses as well yeah so i think the, the one thing that is quite hard is you know if you're a smaller business you're you're not going to think about being able to try and do this yourself but if you don't start thinking about it then you might get kind of pushed out of your choices of who you can supply your business to because people won't want to engage with you like the larger companies on the island not going to name any names but let's say that the larger companies here will be like i can't work with you because you don't you know you, you're not taking this real issue seriously and it's it is what is frustrating something that you need to think about because it's a benefit for yourself as a supplier and for prospective employees or your staff in general and just kind of general marketing right it's just saying look this is something that we're taking really really seriously 
um, as a company. It's a massive issue. It's a very complex issue, as we've been hearing, just scratching the surface there a little bit. We, we have targets. We're looking towards getting to net zero. Will we get there, Paul? And, and how do we know? How do we get there? And how will we know when we do get there? I'm going to say yes here on that. Will we get there? I'm just going to cut <laughs> That's in. That's positive. We will. Of course <laughs> we will. We will. To, be, to be fair, in terms of what we've been doing, we're, I think we're quite a long way there. Oh, massively. You know, compared to where we were, what, 18 months ago when we started, you know, yeah. just moving to things like the renewable power made a big difference and, you know, trying to bring in some of the practices within the firm about traveling and you know do you really need to travel can you do that by video mm-hmm. things like that the culture has changed already to be honest uh, everything we've really talked about so far has been about emissions reduction uh, but just going back to the offsetting then because in order to get to net zero you you've got this residual of emissions that you just can't get rid of like you know we've got an office uh, we've got to turn the lights on every day uh, people will occasionally need to travel so you, you can't get rid of all emissions so then the question is what do you do with the rest and and this is where the offsetting comes in offsetting basically means investing money into projects that remove the equivalent amount of carbon from the atmosphere as those residual emissions it does have a cost so step one is to reduce your emissions as much as possible you don't you don't go to this first but when you get down to that low point you then look at how you offset to get to net zero and it is a vital tool within the sort of the cycle i guess here in terms of it is directing money into these kind of climate action projects that otherwise might struggle to get off the ground you know you hear about reforestation <laughs> projects um, investment into renewable technologies things like that but these projects don't necessarily have the funding without this so very important part of the world works now i guess one thing that's key and we talked about tree planting earlier is that um, these projects have to be done in line with the latest standards. So they have to essentially meet certain criteria to qualify the, for this. So they can be measured and there's no doubt that you know it's not doing what you think and therefore you have genuinely offset the emissions that you set out to do so. PwC, they've got um, a relationship with a, a global consultancy firm that basically helps identify suitable projects that we can look at and they basically give us a, a list, I guess, yeah. Um, that these projects will basically be used to offset the scope one, two, three emissions that, that Tarek was talking to. So we get this list. We shared it with our staff again. You know, we're kind of trying to keep them brought along with us on, on the journey. So we had a bit of a vote, really, as to, to which ones caught their eye. And um, there were two. So the first one was um, in Indonesia. And this was the Sumatra Merang peatland project, which basically protects peatland um, in Indonesia, and these peatlands store a lot of carbon. Basically, that's sort of locking a lot of carbon that, that otherwise might get released into the atmosphere, and also it helps with biodiversity and stopping deforestation. <laughs> so that was one project. Uh, the other one was the Up Energy cook stoves. So this is in Uganda, and they distribute these energy-saving uh, stoves to communities, which reduces the demand for charcoal and firewood, which again, you know, saves trees and uh, saves fuel costs. So really good projects. We have these values at PwC and and one of them is care and one of them is making a difference. So I think staff are really on board with with these projects and, you know, very excited to support them. And they've been calculated so that um, the emissions that the bit that we've essentially funded will offset what we've calculated as being our emissions and that essentially gets us to net zero. So that was the first year we've done that. That that sort of met our 2023 target Mm -hmm. of of, uh, net zero. 
So, so, so it's working. Like I said, it's really working right from the local level with local suppliers right the way through, as you say, to this global network and working with projects possibly on the other side of the world. It's, I suppose yeah. it does bring it into into focus that the whole thing with net zero, it, it is a global issue. It's not, not a, you've got to start locally, but it is yeah, global. Exactly, exactly. Mm. It's all connected. Okay, so I suppose anyone listening to this podcast, and again, this is in, in a way the million dollar question, particularly maybe if you're a small business, sometimes easier for the bigger multinationals because they've got more resources, more manpower able to do it, a smaller business thinking, well, I'd like to do something. Any advice you could give them? The first thing you got to think about is what you want to be known for as a business. Like, is this something that you really want to be taking part in? And the answer is probably going to be yes. It's what your uh, shareholders, customers, regulators, employees, prospective employees are going to be looking at now. The second thing I'd say is, you know, engage your staff. You really don't know how many people will be interested and will come at you with loads of different ideas that you probably would never thought of if you just keep this to like a really senior member of the office or senior member of your firm type scenario. So I think it's a great idea to kind of, like we said, we send an, an email to the entire office and we had 20 people come back and be like, yes, we want to get involved. And then do your research. There's a lot of guidance out there. There's a lot going on. You know, you might be able to say, maybe if you have the capacity to engage in like climate consultants, you could kind of hire them in commit to a science-based target as well you don't have to commit to say 2030 if that's out of reach because you know the Alamein government's aim is 2050 to reach net zero so maybe try and align with the government but it's still a target that you're setting yourselves and then you know start measuring looking at your electricity your gas you're looking at 50 percent of your emissions just there alone consider okay how can i start making some reductions let's calculate our emissions just at gas and electricity for this year because that's more than you've done in the prior year so it's still a step in the right direction and then think, okay, what can I do? Let's let's change our bulbs to LED bulbs. Let's get a more recent boiler, something that's a bit more efficient than what we have in, just to see if you can make those savings over the years. And you know, you're going to have to measure in. I plot a nice little graph, and every year ours is kind of going down. So I'm like, you know, we're in the right direction. So maybe something like that, like keep your data and make sure your processes are robust. And uh, you know, you're not going to be able to do everything straight away. So don't think you're going to solve it in one big swing or do it all in in one year like we're as we say you know we're 18 months in this is a journey for us uh, and we will get there but it will it will take time it'll take a lot of people say we're a community of solvers who come together so hopefully our community can do it maybe your community can do it um but also watch out for greenwashing that is a big thing mm-hmm. that i think a lot of people can easily fall into the trap of greenwashing you know moving your baseline position saying oh you know our, our emissions in 2019 have been cut by 50% but then you know going on to the next year you're like oh our emissions from 2018 have been cut by uh, 60% so we're doing really well it's like well hang on a minute there those are two different years you're talking about so you got to watch out and make sure you're being auditable and your mm-hmm. your figures are robust as well I think that's really important yeah you've produced some pretty amazing stats and graphs very uh, yeah. very actuarial which don't don't really work on a podcast no, very not well, at all. But, no. um, yeah you've got some really good data well, pe- you? people like to see progress don't they they, yeah. they like to see you've got a target and they like to see your progress towards that target. yeah exactly yeah. and i think you know this is something that i, I want to say me and paul this isn't this is not our day job this is something that we do on top like at this uh, as much as we can this is something that everyone else and like i can't thank them enough for everyone who's helped out with this yeah. project because there's so many people in our office who have managed to help out and put time into this that's time off their like getting away from from other jobs to be able to help out with this and it on or just doing it in their own free time is really yeah. amazing we're on the right track exactly and it just yeah. shows that as we were saying before it shows that commitment and interest that there is in mm. so many of these companies now in this in this issue yeah and i think you know especially we see it we see it so much more as well when people are recruiting now i think mm. going back to one of your points you know i think there is an expectation now that companies will have something in place in, in this in this area you know the world has changed yeah 
for the better. <laughs> for the better, which is great. If, if people want to find out more, is there, can they can they find out more from a website or anything they can get more information on on the whole issue? You can log on to pwc.com forward slash im. That's our our website, and you can find details of what we've been doing and, and our own contact details are on there as well. Um, we're on social media as well, so just search for PwC Isle of Man as well. Hopefully people have uh, found this interesting or, or helpful in some way, or at least explained some of what net zero means and, and what you can be doing about it. And I think, like Tarek says, it is a journey. We're on that journey. Uh, we will get there and hopefully other people can do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, It's going to take a bit of time, but I think putting a bit of effort now and then it will really pay off in the future. Just one final question for you both, and that. I know from our brief chat here, and we've only really scratched the surface of this massive topic, realistically, just to give you a taste of it and hopefully wait your appetite to find out more and get more involved yourself, if you're not already, perhaps, or your business isn't already. I know the answer if I say to you, and you've said it yourselves, we will get there. PwC will get there. We will get there, hopefully, globally and, and hit these targets. Once we get there, though, then it's a case of, like anything, then you've got to maintain, make sure that mm-hmm. you stay there. Do you think... By the time we've got there, 2050, say, I mean, do you think the culture will then have changed so much that, frankly, mm. it will no longer be an issue and that the culture will have changed the way we live and the way we work will have changed yeah. so much that actually maintaining net zero won't be an issue? Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's got to be the outcome, hasn't it? It just becomes the norm. Yeah. I mean, it's so it should be embedded into your culture, like a little bit. So as a company, like everything you do, so... Let's take take us for example. Like as a firm, every year we do Christmas jumper day, and we love Christmas jumper day. You wear your you know your nicest jumper. We've changed that now. We don't call it um, Christmas jumper day. We call it Knit Zero, <laughs> and it's about getting you know it's about it's about getting. I love this. <laughs> the most secondhand jumper you can find, or like the one you wore last year. Say, yeah. don't go and buy something brand new. But it's it's like you said, it's the culture that's changing, yeah. and I think. It would, sustainability isn't it yeah not I, going out and buying new yeah. wearing it once throwing it away yeah so even yeah. something small like that like we can see in our firm and i'm hoping that something like net zero you know let's say we reach it by 2030 i'm not going to stop measuring i need to keep making sure we can find ways to reduce it i need to go and annoy the partners in the firm and be like hey we need to pay for this offsetting this year guys don't forget we've got to sort this all out and then uh, is there a way we can potentially reduce even further until you hit i don't know net negative negative? 